0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: It's Light like the tower. Your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. Say to this one. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. That sound you just heard uh, might have been uh, my kitchen sink there. Uh, there was, <laughs> uh, here in the uh, Williamson County Bureau. It's all good. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of Light to Tower here on the Horn. 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital here on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Wade, and I am emanating from the Williamson County bureau here in uh, far northern williamson county glad to have you with us this morning jeff howe will be along shortly our producer back in the studio is none other than cameron parker how are you this friday morning cam
0: not too bad craig allergy's just been kicking my butt all week not sure what's going on here in texas but besides that uh, excited for a good weekend
1: absolutely uh no doubt about that i take it being the golf nick that you are you're already paying attention to what's going on with the rbc heritage going on this of morning? course
0: craig of course
1: mm. it will give us a leaderboard update who's in who's on
0: top right now it's aaron rye uh the former european tour player at minus nine uh scotty and spieth at six under three shots back and uh, actually no rye just gave one back on the 16th hole so looks like there's a Four-way tie for first place, Mark Hubbard, Justin Rose, Jimmy Walker, and Aaron Rye.
1: We'll see. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, now I feel better already. So I'm glad that, not that I was not feeling well, but I feel even better now, now that we've had our PGA Tour leaderboard update. Me too. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm up here, uh, like I said, uh, from the, uh, the domicile this morning. And the reason for that being is it's going to get me to wake a lot quicker, uh, since there is uh, a little bit of an elongated setup to do for the baseball broadcast tonight between Texas and Baylor, which we'll have for you on the horn and, uh, on 104.9 and, uh, because on 101.9. And AM 1260, unless I'm mistaken, we got Rangers-Astros tonight uh, for you, that on 1019 and AM 1260. So on 1049, of course, we bring you Longhorn Baseball in Texas against Baylor, game one of the three-game weekend series. And so we'll break that down a little bit, talk about that. And uh, then after doing that, uh, we have the spring football game on Saturday morning, tomorrow morning. Uh, well, our coverage begins at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning from Bevo Boulevard, and uh, Aaron and Rod and Harge will all be out there on Bevo Boulevard with the pregame coverage of uh, the activities going on leading up to the Orange-White Spring game, uh, which we'll bring to you live, kickoff just past 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And that will be on 104.9. And the um, baseball matchup – uh, Rangers and Astros will come your way on 1019 and AM 1260 tomorrow. So we'll, uh, you know, make sure that you're plugged in on both of those things, and we'll uh, we'll have that for you on 1019 and AM 1260. So tonight, uh, Rangers-Astros at 7 o'clock, and that's on 1019 and AM 1260. And then uh, tomorrow afternoon, the – uh, the Rangers Astros game at six o'clock, so you'll be able to hear uh, the spring uh, football game on 104.9, and you'll hear Longhorn baseball against Baylor game two of the weekend series tomorrow from the Baylor Ballpark, and that's a 1:45 air time and a two o'clock first pitch. That's uh, tomorrow, and then on Sunday it's a Sunday night edition of Rangers and Astros so you'll be able to hear a Longhorn baseball on all three of our signals there on 1049 1019 and a.m. 1260 and then Sunday evening at six o'clock you have seven and five Rangers six and seven Astros I don't know of too many who might have expected both of those records to be where they are at that point Especially the Rangers, the Astros. Remember last year, I think actually started seven and nine, and then they just ripped it in high gear and went on and won the World the World Series. Um, but the Rangers off to a seven and five start, even though they've lost Corey Seager now for a while uh, with injury, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So that's going on over the weekend. Okay, uh, joined now in the house by my co-host, the pride of up this way. I, I'm in North Central Williamson County, but he's the pride of Northwest Williamson You're
2: County. You're not that far from high, from 195, are you?
1: No, I'm not. In fact, uh, well, anyway, he, he, you know, he's he's a proud graduate of Florence High School, Absolutely. and uh, and you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24 Seven. That's Jeff. How? Uh, but to answer your question, no, I think uh, if you go out the regular way through my neighborhood. Uh, I'm like something like 2.4 miles, something like that. If you go out the back way uh, that we were talking about the other way, over to Shell, Shell Road, Road and out that way, yeah, it might be a little longer. But coming from your native area, from Florence, from Andeis, coming south on 195, or like I did a couple of weeks ago, coming down uh, from the Colleen Airport after getting in late Sunday night after the Longhorn baseball uh, matchup, if if you're – if you're coming down late, if you're coming down there, it, you just turn right on shell, and it's a little bit quicker coming in the back way into that. So, yeah, I've I've adapted uh, and adjusted to northern Williamson County because I used to be in far southwest yep. Williamson County. Cedar Park just barely in uh, Williamson County. In fact, Cedar Park High School itself on Cypress Creek Road pretty much straddles the uh williamson travis county line it's weird you you when you go down cypress creek if you turn left on anderson mill at that point you actually cross into travis county it's it's kind of strange about that even though cedar park high itself sits on the williamson county side of the line so uh how you doing this morning
2: good i had a good time on shell road once upon a time did you that's where we had anything you can share yes i mean it wasn't responsible, but that's where we had our uh, night before graduation party, if you know what I'm saying.
1: I see.
2: It was a little, okay. A little, little, mossy, little mossy walking the stage of the next day as a result.
1: Yeah. I mean, so there was that somebody, happens. I would say it, it's in a rural domicile because that's kind of yeah. rural.
2: Well, there. you got to think, too, Craig, this was 21 years ago, so yeah. hadn't quite blown yeah. up yet. Everything was rural. It, Rural.
1: Well, it, it still is kind of rural.
2: you got trouble at, with at that, that word, from, Cameron, like I do? Yeah. Rural. 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 Rural.
1: I heard somebody once in in exasperation describe uh, something that was going on at Texas A&M with the phrase, quote, and I quote, they're so rural <laughs> uh, was, the way, it was the way I'd heard it described. Somebody was not happy with something that was going on over in College Station. So anyway, that was the that was the when, description. When are people of outside of we're...
2: College Station ever happy with anything going on in College Station?
1: I guess. Uh, there was a little town near where I grew up in North Carolina, the name of it, Rural Hall. Mm, interesting. Uh, which kind of would seem to be... Uh, diametrically opposed, you know, a, a hall and rural, but I guess not. Anyway, uh, and, and it was very close to the hometown of Andy Griffith, Mount Airy, which kind of sparked some of the evokes some of the images when he uh, created Mayberry on uh, the Andy Griffith show. Remember, we got asked about a week ago if it was a real place and. I said there's no such thing as Mayberry, North Carolina. It was Mount Airy where he grew up. But it's kind of modeled on a lot of those towns around that time. But Rural Hall was one of those towns right around there. So, anyway, there's your little bit of uh, geographical factoid uh, for this Friday. Um, how uh, how wired up, how fired up are you for this uh, orange-white spring game tomorrow?
2: I don't know if fired up. I-, I don't know that I get fired up for the spring game anymore at this point. It's just—I mean—when you've covered so many of them, you kind of know what the deal is. Uh, I'm excited to see the newcomers. I'm, I'm always—I'm always excited to see the newcomers, you know, because the only times I've seen them is, you know, running around in jersey tops and shorts and, and maybe a little bit of thud, but other than that, I've only seen a little bit more than the the general public has. So I'm excited to see those guys. Yeah. Uh, for me, for me, spring game is more—I uh, I try to see if it's more confirmation than revelation. You know, if, if if we see something good out of, you know, Ethan Burke, you know, David Benda, Keaton Crawford, the guys that we've heard have had Big Springs, then okay, then it's it's confirmation. But if it's revelation, the revelation part scares you. Because then you get into like Deshaun Hale's territory and you know, do grandiose ideas all of a sudden coming into your head, like "Wow, this guy's going to be a big time player," and you never hear from him again. So, sure, uh, and yeah, that's I mean, not to say that guys that are having really good springs that that's going to translate to the fall. But I, I, I much prefer my spring game to be more confirmation than revelation. Okay,
1: all right, yeah, uh, I, I see where you're going with that, but I don't, I don't get, sense. I
2: don't know that I get. It's more intrigue than just "Oh my gosh, I'm fired up, I can't wait to see the spring game." Maybe that I don't know. That's what. You know, covering more than a decade of these things, will probably do to you. You become a bit jaded. Look, well, I mean, I think that's natural in our business, right? You know. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Uh, I've I've always said, try not to read too much into a spring game, and I think Sark probably feels the same way. I think this is more about, um, you know, a celebration of texas football uh they and and fun for the guys and they do want to put them on the field in front of a crowd because he said you know there's some guys that haven't done that before right so uh, at least not of that size what is expected to happen tomorrow so uh i think it's really cool that the university is uh doing it up like a, a true game day atmosphere with Bevo Boulevard and uh, uh, Longhorn City limits, and you know the fact that you've got uh, you know performers and, uh, and and all of the uh, things that'll be happening along the boulevard. And there's and not only that autographs from nine to nine thirty. So all of those things uh, that the trappings and the other things that go along with a uh, you know, a spring foot uh, with a regular football game or attached to the spring game, and that's a good thing. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I, I, the only thing, and I'm not even say caution, because who am I to to caution anybody? But I, the only thing I would advice I would give about that is, if you're a Longhorn fan, try not to read too much into it in ter- in into what you're yeah. seeing. Yeah, I mean, sure, we all want to see uh, you know, the guys get out there and perform very well, and you want to see your frontliners, your headliners, but understand the participation of those guys is going to be limited.
2: I was going to say, I, 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 I would, I would, I would just, disagree you know, with you, Greg. You don't want to see your frontliners. You want to see them get in whatever work the coaches deem necessary, and then especially your yes. proven commodities, You know, your Kelvin Banks, J.T. Sanders. Get those guys whatever work you deem necessary, and then get them out.
1: Well, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I'm I'm saying advice for the fan who might be wanting a, you know, I want to go out and see Kelvin Banks just, you know, pancake several guys <laughs> and do this. Just, you know, pump the brakes on it a little bit because there's going to be limited work for those guys. I think we're on the same page right. there. And, and And I'm just saying to folks, you might not want to – over expect in terms of your frontline guys in terms of reps, snaps, contact, things of that nature. That that was my point. That's
2: why I'm more pumped to see the newcomers because I think you'll you'll wind up seeing a lot of those guys. And when I say, you know, the guys you need to get out, it's your proven commodities. You know, like you know what you've got with Jalen Ford, right? Ryan Watts is a guy that you know what you've got with him. Xavier Rory, sure. You, the guys that you have no problem, like you know what their role on this team is, just get them work, get them out. And above all else, I, I think if Sark comes out of this thing and there are no more injuries other than the guys who are going to be out, and we'll, we can run down that list again, but if there are no <laughs> new names added to the injury report after tomorrow, then it, he can call it a successful scrimmage.
1: Yep, yep, I think that's so. I think that's yeah. what every
2: coach in the country wants. You, and you'll, you'll break down the stuff afterwards, but – just get out of this thing healthy.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the main thing involved. Just to make sure that uh, you don't have uh, any serious injuries. You uh, you you could perhaps can see some of your guys, like you said, some of the younger guys get an opportunity in that environment, uh, in front of uh, fans, however many are twenty five, thirty thousand fans or whatever, maybe even more, whatever uh, perform and. And and there, something else, Jeff, they just go through the game day routine. When Sark was on with us the other day, he said, you know, get him up, get breakfast. Uh, you know, then the, the, the one difference would be, uh, you know, doing the, the doing the autograph session there. But other than right. that, you know, other than that. Uh, pretty much everything else they would do, and then the walking down Bevo Boulevard, and then getting into the locker room and getting ready, and going through stretching and warm ups, and all of those, all of those game day routines that they also do, as you know, when they have a scrimmage, say two weeks out uh, prior to the season opener, the, where they, they all, start doing they mock those
2: scrimmage. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. So you know those. Those are the kinds of um, you might say fundamental um, things that they go to, the routines that they'll go through. And they're, the, the football staff and Sark at the top of that football staff are keenly interested in just running the guys, uh, you know, in the business we say the car wash, you know, going through the car wash of the routine on a game day. Do that. The actual football on the field itself, eh, you know, that's going to be something different. And that's what brings me back full circle to saying it's more of a celebration of all things Texas Longhorn football without folks getting too over the top. Now, I've just said all of that, and you know everybody's anxious to go out and see how the quarterbacks look, you know. Did Arch Manning throw better than Malik Murphy? Uh, did either of them outshine Quinn Ewers? <laughs> those things. And I thought you asked Sark a pretty salient question the other day about uh, the, you know, the development of those guys, the expectations uh, for those guys. And and I thought he gave a pretty good answer, not just only on. Um, their development, but the responsibility and the expectations they have for them and and that he wants them to have for themselves. And so far, the returns have been good.
2: Yeah. um, Sorry, I was checking out. I was looking at the specs text line, Craig. I'm with you on on all that. I'll say this, too. uh, It's not going to be a big recruiting weekend either. That's why I think, you know, Sark is ending spring ball focusing on the team. You know, if you had recruits there, your attention would be, split and maybe you, you know you overlook a detail but uh, I think that tells you how seriously because again you know tomorrow with tackling to the ground you don't get that many of those opportunities before a season starts so this is going to be one between now and September 2nd one of a handful of times where they can tackle to the ground and actually be physical so it's not gonna be a wasted day for the staff I mean you've got Jarrett Gibson uh, from IMG the number one running back in the country for for 2024 He'll he'll be in town for an unofficial but other than that, I'm not expecting it to be a huge recruiting weekend. Again, the focus right now for Sark is finishing this thing on the right foot. And then I think once you get through next week, you start exit interviews and all that stuff, then when the staff gets out on the road here in a couple of weeks, then they'll start focusing on the recruiting stuff and, and you know doing their normal work during the evaluation period. But I think as we, the difference from 21 to 22 in terms of the way the staff – divided their time and and devoted enough time to team and enough time to recruiting and enough time to academics. I thought their time management and this is this is, you know, some stuff Sark said, some stuff we've heard behind the scenes. I think their time management was better from twenty two to twenty one. And, and you would expect, okay, then year three should probably be better than year two. And and I maybe I'm overblown it, but I I'd like to think that's a little that's a little part of it. You know, that you had two junior days before this to get your recruiting work done, so that way when you get to the spring game, maybe have a handful of guys, but it's it's all about the 2023 team tomorrow, not necessarily looking to the future.
1: Yeah, uh, good point, and uh, it, it's understandable for folks to – uh, get excited about it and thinking about it in terms of the recruiting and on down the road. But like you said, the separation in this case of, of the recruiting side of it and the execution spring game side of it. Because uh, Sark made a point when he was on with us to talk about it. he He wants his guys to enjoy it, to have some fun with all the work that they've done. And that's good. It, it, it's good that the guys get a chance to, because as you pointed out, this is the final "quote-unquote" practice uh, that's allowed a spring drill. I mean, we're talking about practice, but but hey, but uh, case, on that on
2: that point, Craig, real quick, uh, did you have you seen the heat that Dana Holgerson was taking for Houston spring game?
1: I heard something about it. I had not seen the, the the report on that, and that's because of the stuff that Sarkis talked about in the past when they didn't have enough depth in the interior lines to be able to to do
2: that. Well, no, it it just shows you how how you can't waste these things. So Houston had we had their spring game scheduled for last Friday night. Right. Horrible weather in in the Houston area, and Dana Holgerson said they had to cancel the spring game because had they just. Had they just not done anything, they would have lost a practice day. So they basically yep. w- wiped out the spring game and moved it to the indoor facility and basically had their last spring, scrimmage practice, what have you. Just did a closed practice. It, it, he said it, it was unfortunate for the fans they had to cancel the spring game. But that's how that's how serious tomorrow is. It's more of a it's more of a deal. Like you said, yes, the players are having fun, but I think this is this is the last snapshot this staff is going to have of this team in this kind of setting. Before you get these guys back in August, you'll get you'll get with them during the summer and you'll have, you know, you'll get your reports from the strength staff and all that fun stuff. But in a real football setting, this is it between now and August. So that's again, I I can't stress that enough. This staff does not want to waste tomorrow. They don't want to waste. Well,
1: and and, uh, Jeff, you kept up with it and I saw living proof of it when I was in Stillwater two weeks ago to do baseball. Uh, it seems like every year or every other year when I go up there for football something is always being done to boone pick stadium there's always a pardon our dust thing going on there's always construction fencing around and because of all of that Mike gundy said basically they couldn't have a spring game because of that and and and, and so though you know those yeah. things get in the way I suppose especially yeah. where construction is uh
2: Texas state my alma mater had to do that one year when they were doing uh one of the one of the, about fifteen renovations they've done on Bobcat Stadium, it feels like. But I think the first year that they did the big thing when they did the end zone other uh, I'm sorry, the uh, complex on the press box side, they mm-hmm. there was so much construction they just had to have fifteen practices, no spring game. Which you can't you, you can't can't waste these opportunities. You just cannot stress that enough.
1: Yeah. Hey, by the way, you and I didn't talk about this. Um how much feedback or information did you find out about uh or if any that you found out about some of the ugliness that happened at the baseball game on tuesday night?
2: you know i uh you had told me a little bit uh from some reports and i've seen some stuff on, on twitter and honestly you know look i i, I love my alma mater uh i, I love the city of san marcus i you know met my wife there uh Love love wear, still wearing my ring every day. I love everything about my alma mater. Um, some of the stuff I saw on social media, quite frankly, Craig, it made me embarrassed to have a Texas State degree on my wall. It just – there's no – enjoy the – you can enjoy the game and enjoy winning a high-leverage game without being a jackass and killing yeah. people's cars and starting fights and just – Engaging in skullduggery that just doesn't need to happen. And and honestly, there are there are a lot of people, you know, our good friend Ty Harrington among them, who worked really hard to change the image of that school and have done a really good job of it. And it's stuff like that when you just take all that work and in the eyes of a lot of people you make it all for naught with just a few knuckleheads that don't know how to behave themselves in public.
1: Yeah. And I I think that a lot of reasonable people can probably separate uh, the good of that institution from, like you said, a a few knuckleheads. And I noticed some on, and you may have as well on Monday night, but that, you know, in their home ballpark. And um, I'm not going to tie it all to alcohol consumption. I'm not. But might have been involved. I mean, I did see – uh, toward, the, you know, when the game was over. You're going to see the requisite amount of the horns down things. That always happens. and right. You know, that's that's fine, whatever. Uh, uh, and I saw a lot of that and uh, pretty aggressive jumping up done yelling with guys with, uh, you know, that were holding, uh, you know, 12-ounce uh, cans of uh, malted beverages in their hands. So there was some of that. I just don't know how much of that spilled over into what – were actual the actual incidents that happened or whether it was just trash talk that escalated. The, the, the king of vehicles in the parking lot and some of the other stuff there's absolutely zero call for that and that's and that's unfortunate and that's bad because uh, this is a series we talked about this the other day and Ty and I've talked about this as well and you and Ty have talked about this we want to see this series continue yeah um, uh, it, you know it's good for both programs uh, you know Ty elevated that program and basically really put it on the map. And as as a, a mid-major program, and Stephen Trout has done a fine job as head coach, and we talked about at length how uh, they were just a, a heartbeat away from hosting a super regional last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of their hard work, all of their efforts, all of what uh, Don Coriel and what the the university is trying to achieve with that athletic program, it just doesn't do it any good if, if some folks, and I think it's – probably in some cases, students, but, oh, but it might yeah. not be I, all them.
2: You know? I, I would yeah. hope, I would hope it's students, Craig, honestly. Yeah.
1: And, and I think by and large it is, um, that it kind of, you know, you don't want to see that stuff, unfortunately, uh, escalate and get out of control. So I, I was just curious cause you and I hadn't had a chance to talk about it. Uh, and, and, um, and, and you were out yesterday, uh, with, with, uh, company business. So, uh, you know, I'm glad uh that people can move on for that. Yeah. I hope Texas State does well this weekend. They've got Marshall and they're almost in the same position that Texas is in. And I'm not talking about in terms of the critical nature because Texas Tech, uh excuse me, Texas State is six and six in the sun belt. They've got to get going. Uh and the long ones are sitting on top of the Big Twelve. But what my point was going to be is both are in series that they really and truly almost absolutely have to win in terms of what their aspirations are in their respective leagues. And then beyond that, I mean, you never want to say, and we always say, you never want to say it's a must sweep. We always say you never want to say it's a must sweep. But the opportunity – would certainly help a lot. Now, in the case of Texas, they're playing an improved Baylor team. They're better than they were uh, earlier in the season when they gave up 20 burgers and uh, twice in three days in a series against Duke on the road and then gave up 10 runs the other one. This team has improved. They've improved their pitching. they got Will Rigding back. They're going to be tougher to deal with. Um, but uh, Marshall is is kind of struggling. And when you're at home, as Texas State is, you look at that and say, wow, Really got to take two out of three, and it sure as heck wouldn't hurt to try to take three if they're going to climb back in near the top of the uh, Sun Belt.
2: Yeah, and, so, and real quick, Craig, before we hit the break, yeah. I've I've gotten a couple of dispatches that apparently it was not necessarily just students that were inciting the... the. Yeah, uh,
1: I figured that was probably the case, that it wasn't all... The incidents, yeah. Yeah. And that just, yeah,
2: that's... Uh, like I said, it's it's embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing, and uh, so it's, um, it's disappointing.
1: Uh, the, the, I would say this, the actions of that group, while uh, more visible and um, certainly not good and unfortunate and all that kind of stuff, I think folks should hold that institution and the baseball program in a higher light than what they're seeing because of the behavior of some fans. Now, does that need to be cleaned up? Sure. and And maybe it's better administered uh for home games down in San Marcos. I don't know, uh but they dev- they haven't had um you know all kinds of massive incidents. And le- and let's be honest too, Jeff would it have gotten that ugly and escalated had Texas State not won the game? Because we didn't hear rumors uh we didn't hear a lot of that coming out of the game Monday night when they had an all-time record crowd of over 3,400, but they lost the game. So maybe it just wasn't as, you know, uh, visible and and folks weren't doing that. Maybe there was more of a desire to crow a little bit with Texas State winning the game. And there were more than twice as many fans. There were 7,362 fans, I believe, was the actual attendance, uh, there on Tuesday night. So you have more fans, and, and more total fans brings about the possibility of more uncomfortable conversations and altercations. I, I will just say that.
2: I will say this to, you know, Coach Trout, Coach Pierce, uh, Don Corio Chris Del Conte, everybody that would be involved in making sure this series goes forward. I just hope that the the actions of a, a select handful of idiots don't ruin what has been a really good competitive baseball series between these two schools.
1: Yeah, and I think the coaches agree because they, they want to keep it going. They've already got it set up next year to do the same thing, the back-to-back home and home. So, And it's been odd that the road team has won all four games in the two years of this so far. So some of it has to do with midweek pitching and things like that, and we've talked about that. Yeah. But, uh, but it's just it's, – that's also an oddity of it as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we need a break. We're going to talk some basketball? Is, is that what we're doing? Yeah, we'll here? talk – we'll, we'll, we'll continue
2: to talk a little spring game if, if, uh, yep. if we need to. But yeah, definitely. Since I was out yesterday, we've got to get caught up on basketball, uh, talk about the A.J. Johnson situation. I, mm-hmm. I, I was out didn't get to talk about the Dylan Mitchell situation that right. popped up late Wednesday. Uh, and mm-hmm. just kind of a, a portal overview Port, not not quite Portal Madness, but your, your uh, end-of-the-week transfer portal update, if you will.
1: No, I like the thought of Portal Overview. Portal Madness is a band that played uh, <laughs> during uh, ACL Fest, so I just want you to know
2: that. I think Cameron year. saw so, those guys. Last I weekend. did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Portal Madness. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay. All right. Uh You got us here on a Friday morning as we continue to light the tower here on the horn 1049. 1019 a.m. 1260. We're live local and digital. On the horn app and at hornfm.com
0: Light
1: the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Friday morning edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe, with you. Would I be correct, Jeff, in saying that maybe you have it? Disco dance the BGs before?
2: No, since, since I was born in 1983,
1: no, no. Yeah, but, but but I mean, I'm not saying that you had to do it in the time that it happened. Yeah, you, you would be correct. I've never okay.
2: disco danced. Okay.
1: You know that one of the first discos I ever walked into was in San Marcos, Texas. Seriously? Yep.
2: How random Fall- is that?
1: Fall of 1979, uh, I was, I had just recently come out to Texas after my freshman fall semester at UNC Wilmington, and my parents had already moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, When I liked it so much, decided to stay, and I said, I'll get some of my basics out of the way, went to North Lake College in Irving, to the JUCO there. But while I was there, I was involved in, you know, journalism and theater and, Uh, speech and debate and I was in a um, uh, what we would just say a speech tournament. It was a debate and uh, oral interpretation and that 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 kind of stuff uh, tournament that was being hosted by then Southwest Texas State University now Texas State. So we all you know hop in one of those big 15 passenger vans. There were about 10 of us from uh, North Lake College from the speech group and we all bus down there and we were staying at what and i, I bet you'll remember this they used to be in san marcus and it was somewhere between maybe aquarina springs and the allen parkway or something on down there there used to be a ramada inn down there okay and, and we stayed at that ramada inn but, but we go down there we get there late friday afternoon we go to eat dinner on friday night i don't even remember where we at. and then somebody said hey i know a club Oh, well, I went and it was a disco. Yeah, I walked in. and I thought, <laughs> yeah, not really my thing, but uh, kind of stood there and watched some of the other people dance on the multicolored I'm more uh, of a disco ball and dance floor.
2: Back in the day, when I did go to clubs, I was more of a lounger, less of a dance floor participant.
1: I got you. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, th- I thought I was on that, but I just wanted to confirm. You never know. I mean, what hunch- you, or Cam- uh, Cameron, are you? Uh, do you fancy dancing? Are you are you much of a dancer yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm probably right in between lounging and dancing. Never been to a, a discotheque before, so disc- disc- very,
2: discotheque. Very. Uh, are you going to text me on your cellular telephone later? Did not they call no, it no, discotheque?
1: No. He's referring. Yeah, he's referring to the actual original definition d-i-s-c-o-t-h-e-q-u-e discotheque
2: no i that's, I, that's I know but european term yeah but we're just being all we're being all formal all of a sudden
1: <laughs> yeah i
2: just busting shops, yeah. cam
1: yeah okay all right i wish i did now. have the flow
0: of the gibbs brothers though and those, the, the the one, what would they wear when they were actual beachies? The the silver kind of onesie type, you know, with the button yeah. all the way down to the belly button, the chest air flowing.
1: Yes,
2: like, off, I can see off, Jeff wearing that, showing off some of that taco meat. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Some of the best lampooning of that ever was the skit, the Barry Gibb talk show with Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, Fallon my bit. favorite, and, and Justin Timberlake. It was just great. Where, where Justin never says he's playing Andy Gibb and you know and Jimmy's like you know he's Barry Gibb and he goes do you have anything to say uh, uh, Andy and he was like no no I don't every single time
2: hey can Um, I put out an an APB real quick to the listening audience sure if anybody knows where I can find the the old SNL bit it was during a weekend update Chris Farley played El Nino
1: I cannot find that anywhere it's I'll tell you where it is it's on the best of Chris Farley. No, I know it is, collection. but I want
2: the full. I want the full segment. The full. Segment. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. If anybody yeah. knows where I can find that, if you know where I can find old episodes of SNL or whatever, please let me know.
1: For a long time, they were on Hulu, uh, but but I also, much to my dismay, discovered even those that were on Hulu were. I won't say abbreviated version, but they were slightly edited versions. Not every skit. There might be one performance from the musical guest. So it wasn't quite all the way through, you know, uh, a, a full episode uh, of Saturday Night Live. That's why for years I did not see the skit that I was talking about, the one when Tom Hanks was, so the original Five Timers Club one in 1990. Now that skit always makes it. Uh, It it isn't left on the cutting room floor of the five-timer skit where he walks in and Steve Martin's in there and Paul Simon and Elliot Gould. Uh, You know, all of that's pretty cool. Uh, But there's a skit inside of that episode that got left out of the best of Tom Hanks. It got left out of the compilation that you saw for years. Uh, It's Tom Hanks and it's, uh, I think, uh, Jan Hooks. And their, their family, and they're all imitating one another. They all follow one another, sitting on the nail on the chair because they don't believe the other ones are, and they drink the bad milk and fall down the steps. And uh, and and for years I didn't see and then it just randomly there was an episode. You know how on um, Saturday nights on NBC they, uh, you know, they will then on Saturday nights on NBC then. Uh, Saturday a Show event? an earlier a, episode, a, a little
2: wrestling Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man. Oh, that's back. Yeah, in, that was like back that. in the day. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. So they did show one, and I saw it was a few weeks ago, and I was like, "That's it, that's the skit," and it was in there. So maybe they'll do that with El, with the uh, Farley El Nino. But you like that one,
2: huh? Yeah, that was good stuff.
1: Yeah, it was. All right, it's time now for our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howes, Longhorn Notebook. Okay, you've got a lot to dive into.
2: Yeah, real quick, I just want to run down the injury report for the spring game just in case anybody missed yep. it earlier in the week. Guys, that you won't see tomorrow, you won't see Jalen Catalan. He's been rehabbing the shoulder. Everything should be good to go for him for the fall, so keep that in mind. You won't see DJ Campbell. Uh, he's had He had, he's either has had or is about to have wrist surgery. <clears throat> He'll be out in that six- to eight-week window, so – Tough break for him. It sounds, Craig, like it was an, a wrist injury that he tried to fight through to the point where just couldn't go anymore, and they decided to go ahead now, just yeah. have the surgery, rest up, be good to go by the time camp starts. And and he should should at least get like the month of July, the back half of summer conditioning to get himself ready. So DJ Campbell will be fine. Don't expect to see much, if any, of Keelan Robinson tomorrow. And then obviously you've got the guys, you know, Cole Hudson and uh, Connor Robertson, the guys that have been rehabbing injuries uh, all spring long, Isaiah Nayer in that group as well. Don't expect to see much, if any, of those guys tomorrow during the spring game. So just file that away, note that on your roster, your mental roster tonight. When you get in the stadium tomorrow, and they hand you the roster, just make sure you mark lines to those guys or just note it a little bit that you won't see. You'll see very little to none uh, of those guys I just mentioned. Let's talk so some. That
1: you won't freak out and go, "Where's DJ Campbell?
2: Why? Why is it Isaiah Nayer on is he the field?" In the portal. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's three guys you won't see because they, they're going into the portal. Derrick Brown, Travelle yeah. Johnson, and uh, Brendan Thompson's been with the track team all spring anyway. So that really, that's a moot point anyway. Um, let we'll, we'll talk spring game more later, but I want to talk some basketball right now. So the A.J. Johnson thing, Craig, I well, actually let's back up a little bit more. Dylan Mitchell making the announcement that he's going to, and we talked about this on the show earlier this week. I told everybody, get your head right for it because it might happen. Mm-hmm. Entering the draft, maintaining the option to come back to school, maintaining his eligibility. He's really interesting, and I know we've talked a lot, Craig, about his draft stock and where it may or may not be. He's not going to be a lottery pick like he was projected to be at the start of the year. Yeah. But the scouts could have two different views of him. Right. They could have the view of needs a lot of work. The offensive game is a lot more, a lot less refined than even we thought it was. He needs to go back to school or maybe spend a year in the G League or whatever. You could also have the scouts view that, you know what, maybe it's just the college game. Maybe he just needs to be in a little more of a free flowing offense, uh, elite level athlete, uh, you know, does have some uh, some issues on defense, but his ability to defend multiple positions is something you just don't find. So maybe you take him at the back end of the first round, maybe early in the second round if you can convince uh, him and his representatives that at that point in the draft he would he would get a, a guaranteed deal. So there's two schools of thought on that and I think that's what the intriguing part is with Dylan Mitchell. If he does get assured of one of those opportunities, it's hard for me to see a scenario where he comes back. Now, I think if he does come back, then I think you would get the feedback. I think it would be the majority of the feedback at that point would be you need to go back to school for another year and work on this, this and this. But all it's going to take is a couple of teams at the back end of the first round or late early in the second round to say, no, 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 we're. We're gonna we're gonna buy into the athleticism. We're we're gonna take a flyer on him to for, to get him to to stay in the draft and not come back to school for another year.
1: Yeah, there's the you know as the, the old saying uh, goes, it it really only takes one GM to fall in love with somebody mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so yeah, that's a possibility. I, I I'm kind of aligned with you. I, I I think that he'll get the feedback that he's not ready and that. Teams feel he's not ready. Uh, I do know that late in the season. Now that's late in the just completed college season, but it's uh, not you know here on April the fourteenth. Uh, but I know late in the season he was not appearing on any draft boards. What I was told. Yeah. Now things change, and like you said, it only takes one GM to go. You know what? We take a flyer on this guy in the second round, and, and he could do that. The 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 question becomes: Will there be enough? Will Will Dylan's representation find enough interest from the NBA feedback that they get right. that he might truly be a second round pick, or you know, maybe even late first round, but whatever it is, that it, that might be the case enough to where he decides to stay all in for the draft. I'm betting not. And that they'll give him some honest feedback and say, you really need to go back for another year. I think they're going to say the same thing uh, to Tyrese Hunter. I think they're saying the same thing to Dylan DeSue. So, you know, but we'll see. Like you said, it only takes one.
2: Right. June 12th also is going to be the deadline to pull out of the draft and go back to college. So keep that date in mind, June 12th. Uh, let's talk about the A.J. Johnson thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, because I, I was out yesterday didn't get to talk about it. Uh, you know, this was something – this was something they knew they were probably going to deal with recruiting him from the jump. Uh, The professional opportunities were going to be there. And and I wrote this on the site. If you go to Horns 24-7, I've got a column up on the site. Basically, it it runs down three things that I think A.J. Johnson's decision means for Texas. And one of those things was, this is part of the game. This is part of what you deal with when you get into high-leverage recruiting battles. Now, more often than not, since the one and done rule came into effect, the the summer of 2019, or no, I'm sorry, not the one and done rule, um, when the G League option became an option, in the summer of 2019. Since then, you know, Greg Brown went through this. Dylan Mitchell had a chance maybe to to deal with it last year. Uh, obviously, Ron Holland got overtures from you know from pro, professionally got professional opportunities put in front of him. So far, Craig, those decisions have worked out for Texas with the guy coming to school. This is just the one time you got burned, and this is the risk you run when you get into these type of recruiting battles. I'm not going to expect this to deter Rodney Terry and this staff from continuing to get in those battles. They're going to be in one in the 2024 cycle. They are in one right now with a kid that I know you've seen and think is a really good player, Trey Johnson, out of Lake Highlands. Number one prospect in the country. Really, really good guard. Uh, The kind of guy that can change your program. Trey Johnson's probably going to have professional opportunities put in front of him. What you have to hope for is that your relationship—if you get a kid like that in the fold—that your relationship with the kid, with the family, and those close to him, is strong enough to fend off those opportunities. Now, in the case of AJ Johnson, you've got a kid that it sounds like he—the college experience really wasn't a big deal for him—and now when you put a professional contract in front of him that says, "Hey," You can make up to seven hundred and fifty grand playing ball for a season in Australia. That's going to sound a lot better to that kid than doing something he probably really doesn't want to do, which is sit in a college classroom for a year.
1: Yep, yep. I, I, I agree with you, and that's some of the feedback that I got, that uh, A.J. wasn't necessarily that interested in being a college student-athlete. It was more about wanting to get his career underway.
2: And, and he said so. it. He told you know, Eric Bossy, our, our national basketball director at 24-7 Sports, Eric got quotes direct from AJ, and he basically said the same thing. Look, if, if I was going to college, there's no question I'd be going to Texas. That's where I would play. Mm-hmm. But I really don't want to go to college. So yeah. at that point, whether it was you know Rodney Terry or Jay Wright or the Easter Bunny was the head coach at Texas, I don't know that at the end of the day it would have mattered considering yes, what was put in front of that kid at the end. So now you've got a situation where you have currently no guards on the roster that are guaranteed to come back. Obviously getting Tyrese Hunter back is big, but now you get into the portal. I think the recruitment, Craig, of Max Acemus from Oral Roberts, I think that becomes – not that it wasn't already important for the staff, but I think that's the kind of big splash you can make in the portal, not just to make your team better, but I think whatever the public perception may or may not be of your portal efforts – That's the kind of pickup you get that I think people would be like, all right, we we feel better about where this thing is headed. Max Acemus is a high, high high-priority guy. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be shocked if you heard, because the dead period ended at midnight, so coaches can be back out on the road today. I wouldn't be shocked if you heard about Rodney Terry visiting with Max Acemus today.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know know he's on the road, so that wouldn't – surprise me at all (laughs) all right um there's our notebook for this hour we need a break when we come back it's inconceivable hey it's friday jeff
2: oh yeah you know what that means well actually i'll ask cameron if he knows what friday means low
0: hanging fruit
2: yep go down to the most flaccid state in the lower 48 and grab some of it because it's a florida friday
1: and boy do we have some for you That's next when we continue at Light the Tower on The Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260. We're live, local, and digital on The Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower.
2: Inconceivable. 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 You keep using The Horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well,
1: this might mean it in a nutshell, at least as uh, Fridays go. Because... I know Jeff Howe, maybe more than any person I know, likes Florida man stories. Um, but, before I get to that... Because
2: nine times out of ten, the Florida story is going to fit into one of our pillars of Inconceivable.
1: And those three pillars are... Meth, death,
2: and animal attacks. Yeah. Um, we kind of have
1: one that fits the pillar a little bit. And in the bit, case that, of
2: Cocaine Bear, you get all three.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, We kind of have uh, a little bit of uh, that sort of thing. One of the pillars, at least in terms of um, animals and uh, and death involved. Uh, But this isn't uh, 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 the death of a person by an animal. Uh, it's the death of an animal, and it's kind of unfortunate that it's the death of an animal. Um, nine-year-old little girl in California had a beloved pet goat, and she brought it to a fair for a livestock auction. Now, this happened last uh, last summer. Someone bid on the goat. And then the little girl, of course, didn't want to part with the animal. Right. Didn't didn't want to give it up. And then days later, two sheriff's officers drove 500 miles to get the goat and to take it. And it was barbecued. The goat was. The girl, uh, in court documents, uh, identified only by initials because she was a minor, and her mother are now suing. The Shasta County Sheriff's Department and Shasta County Fair accusing them of wrongly seizing and killing the goat. The goat was named Cedar. And uh, before beginning, uh, bidding began on the livestock auction, the plaintiffs tried to back out. The lawsuit reads still. California State Senator uh, Brian Dolly, through an agent, bid $902 on the goat and won. And about $63 of that went to the fair. The rest went to Cedar's own owners, only they didn't want to sell the goat. And after the auction, it says plaintiff E.L. would not leave Cedar's side. Plaintiff E.L. loved Cedar, and the thought of him going to slaughter was something she could not bear. While sobbing in his pen beside him, plaintiff E.L. communicated to her mother that she didn't want Cedar to go to slaughter. So as a minor, she has statutory rights to disaffirm contracts, according to California law, according to the suit. She tried to terminate the sale of cedar with the fair, and her mother took cedar to a farm in Sonoma County, over 200 miles away, to uh, ameliorate any potential rifts over the goat. But a defendant in the case and a livestock manager for the Shasta Fair Association demanded that the goat be returned for slaughter. And so they pleaded back and forth. Uh, they said, look, the fair can keep the $902. We just want the goat. And they said no. Uh, and then uh, a criminal search warrant went out. And in July, a lieutenant and detective executed the warrant. They drove about 10 hours to seize the goat. They got the goat. They slaughtered the goat late at night after the deputies dropped him off. So it was barbecued, uh, it said. Yeah. Later, and so now you got the lawsuit. Now there is a little bit of a uh, silver lining, not for the goat certainly, but um, Tiana Pete, a woman, listened to this whole tale, and so Tiana Pete then went and uh, got involved and said, "What can I do with this anger? I want to show the family there are decent people out there." Uh, she offered to buy the girl a new goat or another pet. And, um, there's some stuff going on right now. Of course, this has, you know, gone viral and everything. The poor little girl, you know, now they they changed her mind, didn't want the goat to be slaughtered. And the goat ended up being, becoming Cabrito.
2: Here's the deal. Uh, you know, growing up in Florence, Texas, America, I had a lot of friends that showed animals. And uh, yeah, we treat goats different in Florence than they treat them in Gerald, which goats over there, are otherwise known as All the Homecoming right. Court. But at any rate, uh, you know, don't you know what you're getting into when you start showing animals? Shouldn't you know what you're getting into? Yeah, yeah. You know, we had to have we had to have a conversation with the with the five year old Craig last oh, weekend. Really? Last weekend, while we were eating breakfast, yeah. She said something about animals, and it's mean to kill animals. And we said, well, bud, where do you think bacon comes from? She's like, I don't know. Like Bacon comes from pigs, and eggs come from chickens. And she's like, really? I was like, where do you think chicken breasts come from? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, they come from chickens. And she didn't panic, though. She's like, oh, okay. And just kind of went on about her day.
1: Yeah, past the ketchup.
2: <laughs> just got to okay. a- He's got to bring some truth to the youngsters sometimes.
1: True. Okay, so we've got two Florida man stories. Speaking of chicken, this happened in Wildwood, Florida. That's in the central part of the state. In fact, it's the northern terminus of the Florida Turnpike, if I remember correctly. But in any way, at any rate, in Wildwood, Florida, a Florida man has been arrested. How many times have we said that, by the way, over the years? A Florida man has been arrested. Uh, a Florida man has been arrested after police say he threw chicken wings at his wife during an argument. <laughs> it seems to first of all, it's a perfectly good waste of chicken. you're
2: waste to it, wings, you know.
1: Yeah, this happened on Sunday night. Uh, when they off when the officers arrived, they said the victim was holding a baby and asked to be taken somewhere safe, according to the suspect's arrest report. The victim told police that, quote, the defendant and her had been arguing over the defendant having a lover. The victim said the defendant threw the wings at her with some hitting her on the shoulder and under her chin. Officers at the scene said they did see chicken wing sauce on the victim's chin, neck, and shoulder. The victim said she then tried to get away from the defendant by running with her baby to a bedroom and uh, there was an audio recording, the defense yelling at her and all this other kind of stuff. Can't, Robert look. Francis Audette.
2: I'm not chuckling uh, or making light of the situation, but you can't expect me to take a story seriously when you're talking about the defendant or the accused, the victim had chicken wing sauce, was visible on their face. Like, I can't. I'm, I'm out at yeah. that point.
1: Well, uh, the defendant was heard on the audio tape yelling, I'm about to beat your blanking blank. And began well, okay. violently banging on the door. So that's clearly heard in the audio recording. Well, um, yeah. Well, During the questioning, uh, 39-year-old Robert Francis Audette admitted getting mad and admitted throwing the chicken wings. But he said he didn't intend to hit the victim. He just wanted to just throw him. He bonded out on Monday afternoon. Uh, so there's that. Okay. Now, the story I've been waiting to tell you. Nobody. But nobody enjoys a good Florida man story more than my co-host. So he should enjoy plenty on the brand new Netflix series entitled Florida Man. (laughs) Brand new Netflix series. Uh, The premise of it, a disgraced cop in debt. Is forced to return to his home state of Florida for a shady mission, only to get swept up in a wild and deadly treasure hunt. Florida Man, now available on Netflix.
2: All right, so I got to watch really. Cocaine Bear and I got to watch Florida Man. So.
1: Now I just got a text from my oldest son Andy. He's a big uh, streaming viewer, and he said there's a brand new show on Netflix called Florida Man. I'm watching right now. He said not an inconceivable show though. So so they're, they're trying to cash in on the title, simply Florida Man. Because if you Google Florida Man, any number of things come up as a result of that. So there it is. Just wanted to let you know that there is now a uh, Netflix series called Florida Man. So the, the, the man depicted in the photo they have on it does not look like your typical Florida man that we see. Not the type of guy who would throw chicken wings. At his wife. Um, you know, not not the type that would do some of the things that we've talked about on the program. But it is a Netflix series called Florida Man. So now you can you can put it in the queue after you watch Cocaine Bear because that has to happen first, right? It'll gotta, be on the list, be on yeah. It'll be on the list. Yeah, okay, okay. all right second hour of the program coming up as we continue to life the tower on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com